Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... We sometimes have celebrated social activism as really just breakthrough innovation, Mark Silicon Valley entrepreneurs or big name philanthropists. And when in fact, that actually mischaracterizes the way most social activism gets done. Most of it is done by normal people, everyday people who have maybe not the most glamorous jobs or live in the most interesting places. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 248 of Impact Boom. My name's Indio Miles, and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today, we're speaking with Steve Davis, Steve is the author of Undercurrents, channeling outrage to spark practical activism, a lecturer at the Stanford Graduate School of Business and senior strategy advisor and interim China Country Office Director at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He also serves as co-chair of the World Health Organization's Digital Health Technical Advisory Group, is a distinguished fellow with the World Economic Forum and is a member of numerous boards and advisory committees. He is the former president and CEO of PATH, a leading global health innovation organization, former director of social innovation at McKinsey & Company, a global consultancy, and former CEO of Corbis, a digital media pioneer. With degrees from Princeton University, the University of Washington, and Columbia Law School, He speaks and writes regularly about the intersection of innovation, technology, and social impact. He lives with his family in Seattle, Washington. On today's podcast, we will discuss the recent rise in activism seeking to address social injustices and global issues, the importance of effectively utilizing social innovation to inspire change, and Steve's advice for entrepreneurs to involve themselves in activist movements. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. It's fantastic to be speaking to you. Well, thank you, Indio. It's my pleasure. To start off, Steve, could you please share a bit about your background and what led you to working in social innovation and activism? Well, thank you again for having me today. And it's always great to share some time with such an enthusiastic communicator, particularly around innovation in the world today. And I came to it, like so many people did, a bit bit by, not by accident, but I have had a fairly, my career looks more like a pinball machine, I think, than maybe a nicely aligned bowling alley, because I've kind of done a lot of different things. I started out as a human rights activist and a gay activist in the 80s, getting a law degree but also focused a lot, interestingly, on China, where I'd spent some time and learned the language and really fell in love with the place. So I 
had a sort of a dual path that was giving me both exposure to a lot of global issues. And I particularly got involved in refugee work, as well as in a lot of human rights and legal work as an activist. That continued for quite a while, doing that kind of work in global settings around refugees, around a lot of writing. And then I sort of by accident found myself back in Seattle, where kind of at the early days of what became known as the internet and ended up taking a job as a lawyer to help an early startup that it turns out a guy named Bill Gates was starting, who I really didn't know much about, but ended up working for him and building a company with him for 15 years in the digital media space. But always kept my hand in social activism because at my core, I wanted to make sure that the technology and the innovation and the ideas that we were developing had impact on a number of people. And have now spent the last 15 years sort of dedicating even more of my life and time to that work, teaching social innovation, helping build the global practice at McKinsey in this area. More recently, running for about eight years, one of the largest NGOs in the world, PATH, which focuses on digital health innovation. And now, of course, doing a variety of things, as you mentioned, including helping the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Mm, Wow, some very eclectic interests there. And you can very clearly, however, see your journey into the social innovation and activism space as well that you're positioned in now. So I want to ask you a bit more of a general question about this space. So what role do you believe social innovation plays in reducing societal inequalities globally? And how vital is this role to you? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a bit circular because I think social innovation is, in fact, about better processes, product services, financing policies that can change the way we do things in a more systemic way and for the social good. And in many, many of those areas, it's the social good is about an equity ag- agenda. So I think that social innovation and, and equity and inequity, addressing inequity is, is kind of interlinked in, in very, very fundamental ways. I mean, that's also true, I would say, because a lot of social innovation addresses environmental challenges, which also disproportionately are going to affect the, the poor. So the reason I think it's so important is because I think we are seeing new ways of both private sector enterprises and public sector organizations and social sector organizations like NGOs and foundations and academic and research institutes are rethinking the way we are building models, creating tools, and making them, putting things like access at the front of their agenda and making the opportunity for someone, say, in the digital era to get access not only in a fluent community, but in a poor community or in a not only for people that have a lot of advantages already, but maybe for people that don't have those advantages. Now, this is not inevitable. I do want to underscore that one could argue that some of this innovation seems to be widening the divide because of access and equity. But I'm a strong believer that over time, we will see the flattening of that divide because we are going to see the way technology particularly can reach so many people so much more effectively and efficiently and disrupt the way we're doing our business in profound ways, which I think will help with social inequality. Wow, very interesting perspective there, Steve. It's great to hear that from you. Okay, so if we're looking at some key advice that you would give 
to a social entrepreneur or an impact-driven individual seeking to adopt socially innovative practices, what would that advice be? I, I write about this in a book that I just recently published, Undercurrents, which you mentioned about a couple things. One is taking a sort of a, what I call a practical activist approach. And, and in the book, I speak about practical activism, which is to say, you know, we sometimes have celebrated social activism as really just breakthrough innovation, smart Silicon Valley entrepreneurs or big name philanthropists. And when in fact that actually mischaracterizes the way most social activism gets done. Most of it is done by normal people, everyday people who have maybe not the most glamorous jobs or live in the most interesting places, but, but just take one step at a time to improve their neighborhood or improve their school or to change the way they're thinking about a problem. So my first piece of advice is don't overdo it in your mind or your approach. I mean, you can take small and incremental steps and in fact, that's the way most activism happens. So, you know, and it can still be disruptive and terribly important. So don't feel that you think people set up themselves to the point that they're kind of nervous or, or paralyzed. And my goal is to try to turn people's outrage to practical activism. The second thing I would say, and I've seen this emphatically and underscore it in the book over and over, is really, really not just listen to, but include the communities that you are hoping to impact in your approach at every stage and at every level. We still have way too much social entrepreneurism and social activism that sort of is us doing it for them as opposed to helping them do it for themselves or actually just giving some of that folks in either other communities or in other parts of the world or, or people that are suffering through some sort of risk or we're, we're still doing too much going in to save people rather than helping them build their own destiny with their own kind of agency. And I really encourage younger entrepreneurs and activists to spend more time with the communities they're working with and, and listening and, and actually taking their agenda to heart. A few very good pieces of advice there, Steve. And as you kind of covered at the beginning, all of these pieces of advice are highlighted in your most recent book, Undercurrents. But also you look a bit more about the history of activism. And I think you and I could both agree that 2020, it was a significant year in recent history for the emergence of activism. So I just wanted to ask you, looking into the future, looking at 2021, where do you see opportunities for people to improve approaches to activism? And do social enterprises and impact-led individuals like us, do we need to be at the forefront of these movements? The second question I can answer right away, the answer is absolutely yes, that we need now more than ever, we need people who are willing to think through more innovative approaches, even disruptive approaches to the way we're getting things done. Look, 2021 is going to be a tough ride. I know everybody's so happy to just be done with 2020. And of course, there's many good things on the horizon. We hope that a vaccine is more effective and for COVID and eventually changes the course of this pandemic 
pandemic. You know, a new U.S. administration should hopefully be a better player on the world stage. And and there are other signs of some improvement, but it's still going to be a tough year. We've got a pandemic that's still way out of control. We've seen this enormous amount of economic and humanitarian crises that have cascaded from the pandemic. And we still have a lot of the underlying structural and economic issues that we had going into the pandemic. So I think the time for strong social activism and innovation could not be riper than 2021. I think some of the things that 2021 will require, and uh, hopefully some of your listeners and social activists and entrepreneurs will take heed, is more thinking about how we actually don't just go back to the way it was. I mean, I don't think there is going to be going back to normal. And it's an overused word, but there will be a set of new normals. And new normals could be an opportunity to take the lessons from this enormously tragic experience and and convert them into sustainable models, whether you're talking about how what we've learned from, say, online education as we've forced folks to use online <laughs> tools to the enormous innovation I've seen in the health area where people have really rethought the way telemedicine can work or rethought the way that mental health counseling can get accessed remotely and in very personalized ways, the way other kinds of financial services have been provided in communities which have been a deep affected by the pandemic. All of those things have gems in them of what we learned. Now, not everything worked perfectly, and there was a lot of craziness and incoherency, but in those lessons, we need to come out of this stronger. And I think there's an opportunity for social activists to think, okay, what did we learn about education? What did we learn about health? What did we learn about protecting the environment in this crazy, tragic environment? And then apply those more effectively for sustainable change in the future. Wow, Steve, that's a really refreshing perspective. And I equally hope as you that our audience can take the silver linings from this experience and turn that into some success in the future as well. Now, if we're going to look at some projects or initiatives that are inspiring you at the moment and that you've come across recently, what would those be? Well, that's a tough one because there are a lot. I've written an article and I'm actually participating in a a project at Stanford around sort of what COVID and social innovation, what COVID has generated in terms of social innovation. And one of the things it's generated is just a a fire hose of extraordinary ideas. And now not all of them have gone to scale. A lot of them didn't work. And frankly, that we kind of learned that without a sort of a good ecosystem to manage these and even some more regulation, it's hard to get things to really have the impact we had hoped. But in that, for instance, I mean, I mentioned it already, but there's been some really cool apps which are working on addressing mental health challenges. I mean, somewhat to do with the increased mental health stress and anxiety and challenges that we're seeing coming in the pandemic, but also have really long-term benefit of sort of taking out stigma, making, giving more access to more personalized approaches to counseling to even diagnostics that use better AI and other kind of tools to understand sort of behavioral change that, and I think, you know, I can name Better Health than a number of others that are doing some, Hello Better is a really cool app in Germany, but there, there are many that, I, that, are, that are doing great things in that area. So I'm quite excited about the opportunity for us to have some sustainable and effective approaches to using digital health and mental health management going forward. 
Another area that I see in might be more in the United States, given the, the specifics, but I've been working with an organization that is working, looking at sort of the horrible situation we have in my country, yeah, but it has a similar phenomena in others, which is mass incarceration of brown and black people in this country. Uh, but really what the issue is, is also the, what we call the school to prison pipeline, where people are, we know where they're kind of off track and there's just sort of a, a one-way ticket to incarceration. And yet we also know that juvenile incarceration does not really do much to rehabilitate, etc. So these programs, one's in Seattle called Choose 180, but I'm I'm pretty excited to see a really alternative to juvenile incarceration as a functional and very viable model. And it takes a much more personalized approach, but I think those are scalable. So, you know, whether we're talking about very cool apps that are coming out of Germany and India for COVID management or very local innovation models that are saying, how do we tackle old problems in new ways? I think it's a pretty exciting time for innovation few very interesting projects and initiatives there, Steve. Thank you very much for sharing those with our audience. And to finish off, Steve, what books or resources would you recommend for our listeners to check out? Yeah, well, look, I, I read a lot. And so I, I could sort of just go to my, my go-to list. I do think one of the books that I would encourage people to read is the newest Steven Pinker book or the Hans Rosling's books, both of which, Factfulness is the name of the Rosling book, both of which underscore sort of the premise that I build my book around, which is data-driven analysis that the world's actually continuing to get better. The punchline of my book, but also a lot of the work I do, and I don't say this as a naive Pollyannish optimist, I say it as a sort of a practical activist that's a pretty savvy business guy is that the data shows that there is a lot of momentum, positive momentum on many critical issues in the world. And so one of the, and these two books are done by brilliant authors and scholars who can show us how with, with actual data, how more girls are being educated, people are living longer, more people are living in the middle class than ever before. And, and despite the setback from COVID, I think those are important. Then I'd also go back to sort of some of the practical things you can find online. I think, you know, if you're talking, we talked about a lot of interesting innovation happening in COVID. Well, I've been working with a group at the World Economic Forum and putting together a, a sort of a clearinghouse, if you will. And there's a, so the World Economic Forum's website has created an action platform that t- looks for not only giving exposure to interesting innovations that entrepreneurs are doing, but also it's becoming sort of a broker for, you know, potential financial supporters or potential technical support for people who want to scale it up. So I think there are others out there doing the same thing, but I think those kind of platforms that are uh, online that are linking people between kind of the innovator community and the demand community, the communities that need them are really incredible. And I think they're a very inspiring source for an entrepreneur. A few excellent recommendations there, Steve. And I would also just want to say as well, you forgot to mention it, your book, Undercurrents, Channeling Outrage to Spark Practical Activism, would be a fantastic read for our audience also. So I know that you didn't want to plug it for yourself there, but (laughs) I thought I should do that as well. So there's a few fantastic reads there for our audience, and those will all be linked at the end of the article. 
the Impact Room article to finish with this podcast. So, Steve, I just want to say a big thank you for coming on our podcast and having your chat to me about activism and the current space in social innovation. It was great to hear your insights and we've really appreciated your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.